Hello, it's Valerie. I was born on October 1st. Hi, everyone. I'm Randall, and I was also born on October 1st. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Randall. Who cares? Who cares? Uh, This is our show, Happy Birthday, Who Cares? What's going on, Valerie, with you? How are you doing? I feel like whenever you ask me that, I'm just like queued up and ready to complain about some health (laughs) health problem. (laughs) (laughs) This week, I think we have a legitimate legitimate reason to complain about how we feel in in general and to be proud do we yes about what i am sore all over oh yeah because this week we went skiing when was the last time you went skiing uh, last time i went skiing before this week was 30 years ago 30 years ago i i think i went skiing in or close to the year 2000 maybe 2001 ish and uh, maybe it was snowboarding but I'll, for the sake of this argument, I will say I was on the mountain. Uh, and I am real tired. <laughs> yeah, you did good, though. Yeah? Yeah. You think so? Audience, I have to tell you that Randall and I have been talking about going skiing for several years now. Yeah. And Randall did not want to do it until he lost a certain amount of weight. And yeah. he lost the weight. I did. And so he's kicking ass. And uh, I didn't embarrass myself. I didn't fall down. Not once? Not even once. We got our son Max to join us on the hill, and he seemed, I don't know, he's 16, so it's hard to tell whether he enjoyed it or not. I, I think he did enjoy it, after all. I think he was proud of himself. I um, sort of leveled out of the, the skiing lesson I was taking, Yeah. and the lady teaching it suggested that I go on this other run. And so I headed that way, and I think I got lost because I ended up on the longest run of the entire ski mountain. We went to Timberline. We went to Timberline where they filmed The Shining. Yeah, and And you had a scary adventure. I had a scary adventure because by that time I was real tired, and it was like three miles of trail down terrain. I wasn't sure I could get down. Didn't at one point the ski patrol, uh, what did they do? They just went... They went by on snowmobiles and just waved, and I waved back, and then I regretted it. Like, yeah. maybe I should have stopped them. But I made it, and I made it all the way down yeah. to the bottom of the mountain, and then I took a chairlift up, and and then we went home, had chocolate and went home. We had hot chocolate. Uh, the one thing, I, I was so tired, I didn't make any shining jokes the whole time we were there. I had nothing in me at that point. <laughs> I was exhausted. You, you did good. Yeah. My beard froze. Mm-hmm. That's how cold it was. It was blizzardy. Yeah, it was real cold. Max and I were in the beginning class. We were like the first level when you went on to the higher level. And there were some real complainers in that class. I, I too, am a real complainer. Yeah. I'd like to talk about my deafness right now. Yeah. Well, let's hear about it. <laughs> well, it's not very exciting, but I'm having trouble hearing out of my left ear, and that's kind of my dominant ear, so. Yeah. Valerie's left-handed, for those of you keeping score at home. <laughs> Valerie follows the left hand Left hand path, that's right Uh, Today's topic occurred on October 1st in 1957 And that event is that In God We Trust was printed on paper currency for the first time The first time in America, that is From In God We Trust, the subjects we're actually going to talk about today Are paper money in general Yeah and the movie They Live. That's right. A, a perfect <laughs> a perfect pairing. <laughs> a perfect pairing of the two. So it was something that was created in the Civil War, weirdly as like the Union side, to show that they were on God's side. 
against mm. the heathen South, right? Of course. Specifically, there's this quote that I found from a reverend, Reverend Mark R. Watkinson of uh, Pennsylvania. Anyway, uh, he said that Almighty God uh, in some form should be recognized on our coins in order to relieve us from the ignominy. Nominity? Ignominy. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I know what you mean. Yeah. The nomin Ignominy. Ignominy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From the ignominy of heathenism. And specifically, the heathenism he referred to was the South uh, rebelling against the Union and having slaves. But why on currency? Do you know why that was uh, the place to stake the claim? No, it really, they didn't really say it. I think it was just kind of a. Uh, like, a, here's a place that we can all be reminded every day I see. of this thing, right? And also, it doesn't say, like, anything about the Union. It doesn't say anything about the United States. It just kind of, like, calls out, you are on God's side for this. Okay. But, like, so that, that passed in, and I, did I say at the beginning? That was in, like, the 1800s. It was, like, 1860, right? Civil War time. Um, that passed, and they started printing In God We Trust on coins then. But not until, like I said, at the very beginning, the 50s, did it get onto paper money. And weirdly, that isn't because of the Civil War. That's because of the Cold War. Hmm. So the paper money part is the United States saying God is once again on our side against the heathen Soviet Union and communists of the world who mm-hmm. are very pro-atheism, right? Uh, and that passed in like uh, 56. And then the national motto of the United States was established as In God We Trust. So prior to that, the national motto, like from the beginning of the United States, was E Pluribus Unum, which is, I think, one out of many in Latin. Uh, one thing that I, I noticed about that was there was once uh, an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire where they asked what the <laughs> they asked what the national motto of the United States was. Mm-hmm. And this was on like a British celebrity version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Okay. And the million dollar question was, what is the Latin motto? Translated from Latin, I'll read it exactly. What is the motto of the United States? And two of the options, one of them was In God We Trust, and one of them is One Out of Many. And one out of many is E Pluribus Unum. And that was the correct answer, but that's not actually the motto of the United States. I thought it still was. No, the legal motto of the United States passed by law is In God We Trust. Great. Yeah, right. Very, very religious. But anyway, they lost the million dollar question. People were so angry about it that they gave them another shot to come back on the show. Wow. And instead they passed on asking the question and just got the $500,000. So that was pretty smart. Okay, so that passed in 56 and in 57 for the very first time In God We Trust was printed on paper money, which was the silver certificate. Um, talking about paper money, uh, I did research some on the history of paper money, at least, yeah. at least in the United States. It existed long before the United States. But in the U.S., uh, it was introduced during the American Revolution in 1775. Yeah. Um, the Continental Congress issued the nation's first paper currency. It was the United States dollar, but they were commonly known as continentals. Over the course of the revolution, over 240 million worth of these notes were issued, uh, but it was rapidly devalued, partially because British counterfeiters were flooding the market with fakes. Is that on purpose to yes. fight the Revolutionary War? that is exactly right. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I noticed is, is this 
this counterfeiting, Mm -hmm. if we're going to get into counterfeiting a little bit. One factoid I saw was in the Civil War, like one third to one half of all printed money was counterfeit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like this is not a this is a problem that lasted for quite a while. Yeah. So because of that, inflation spread so fast that the bills were basically worthless by 1781. Hmm. And that finally led to the idea that any currency in the United States would need to be backed by silver or gold. Yeah, that's one of the I didn't know what silver a silver certificate was or and I think there was also a gold certificate. Mm-hmm. This bill, the first bill that was printed was a silver certificate. And I guess there had to be like an amount of silver in the possession of the United States so that they, you could literally go in and hand someone the bill and say give me this amount of gold, right? I believe that's correct. Yeah. I read actually that they stopped doing that in like the 60s. But like up to that point, you could go in and trade in those. Demand your Yeah, you your say, gold. give me my bullion. Yeah. In 1792, the Coinage Act established the U.S. Mint as we know it today, as well as the coin system we still use. At that point, coins only coins were considered legal tender, and it took almost 100 years before paper money would be used as money again. Um, in the interim years, though, uh, states and banks all over the country could print their own money, which is insane. <laughs> uh, during the early 1800s, there was a massive variety of banknotes, and they all looked different. So the further you traveled away from the issuing bank, the less your bills were worth. For example, a $5 bill from the Bank of Tennessee might only be worth $4 in New York. Uh, and by 1865, there were over 8,000 issuing banks and institutions. Wait, so like every bank was saying, this, this is, is our this dollar? This is our dollar, and you better know what it's worth over across the country. <laughs> But you don't actually, so you're probably going to give me less money for it. They probably just made up, like, whatever. They had, like, a chart, and then they decided based on how many people gave it to them or whatever. Pretty much. God, that seems impossible. Yeah, it was a real bad system. It seems hard enough to have money in different countries, let alone having one country have a million. I guess the equivalent is, like, the European Union, each country, and people travel between them, and that's why they did the euro, I guess. Common currency makes... A lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure there's economic ramifications of it that I am not aware of, but yeah. for the average consumer, it makes quite a bit more sense. Yeah, we're not monetary experts or even currency experts, experts but please chime in and email us <laughs> if you know. <laughs> yeah, I would say like uh, also include that if we ever ever say something that's completely wrong, feel free to email us or reach out on Twitter and let us know how wrong we were. All you economists out there, we're waiting yeah. to hear from you. I'd love to know uh, more about monetary policy, if you could please chime in. So tell me about this, the silver standard or silver certificates. The silver certificates? Oh, I could tell you that the first one had a picture of Martha Washington on the front of it. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I already said that they stopped doing them in the late 60s, like 67 was the last time. And then you had to you had to redeem them. Otherwise, you just were out of luck. Out of luck. You just had a useless bill, like those Tennessee dollars or whatever. Yeah, you could turn them, turn them in from for actual silver, and uh, that's about all I really really researched about them. But I did get did really get into like the idea of the pictures on the front of the bills. <laughs> I thought that was really neat, like the fact that it was Marshall, Martha Washington. I noticed that a lot of bills had presidents. I also noticed that there was a lot of other obsolete bills. That um, 
like after I noticed that they no longer do the silver certificate, I saw that there were all sorts of crazy random. Yeah, it's changed yeah, many, many times. Like there were penny, there were three cent bills at one point. There were uh, fifteen cent pil- bills, uh, all the way up to and I forget. I don't know. I think I may have read something about this bill, but there's like a hundred thousand yeah, dollar bill. It, it had Salomon Chase on it. No, Woodrow Wilson. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of the ten thousand dollar bill. Yeah, you're right. But even so, I don't think that's uh, at all used anymore. I think those bills were printed just to do specific acts. Like we're transferring this amount of huge amount of money from one place to another, so we printed this specific number of them and moved them from location. Right, to but location. they were never actually in distribution. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed also as I was looking through these weird do- denominations, at one point the United States had a half cent piece, mm-hmm. uh, and another time we had a two cent piece. Like there's all these weird like half denomination pieces. Well, it makes sense, you know, when you could buy a big handful of candy for a penny. Yeah, or half cent you might need, right? Right. And then there were also like many coins that were designated to be turned in for or contain some amount of precious metal like gold or silver. Do you know which ones? Well, no. I mean, they were like the gold dollar, which would theoretically have $1 worth of gold in it, things like that. Um, The most expensive one I saw was a coin called the Double Eagle, which was worth $20 worth of gold. I looked it up, uh, and it's worth way more. Is it pretty? Yeah. Well, uh, it's got a picture of... uh, uh, Columbia, the spirit yes. of America. I was I was going to talk about that too. Yeah, maybe we can go right to that. Yeah, so Columbia or Lady Liberty was one of the one of the character faces that I saw on a multitude of coins and bills. Besides Martha Washington, I never heard of Columbia as an entity, but I guess it's the spirit of America. Often they put put her in a Native American headdress too, which is sort of a weird. Weird uh, mixed message there. I guess uh, in addition to Martha, Pocahontas appeared on the back of a $20 bill in the 1860s. But besides that, it's only been other fictional female figures that represented concepts like history or electricity or like you said, the native United States. But even with those, it's been over a century since a woman has appeared on paper currency in America. What was the last one you said? There was history and electricity. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Um, And they were scantily clad, and they got in a lot of trouble (laughs) for it. But they were really the most beautiful bills that America has probably ever had. It's weird that, like, the United States really loves a fictional woman. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Strictly fictional. I was going to say, like, the Statue of Liberty is, like, a great symbol. But there was no no person that was the Statue of Liberty. Or, like... It's a an idea, but not a specific lady. No, no the, specific ladies, not allowed. <laughs> that's um, very terrible, I should say. It, it is. And actually, in 2016, the Treasury did announce a major redesign of paper currency. Uh-huh. You may have heard about yeah, this. Yeah, that, uh, that was with, let me get it. It was with the Underground Railroad lady. Yeah. What was, what's her name? So Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, yes. She is replacing Andrew Jackson on the front of the $20 bill, yeah. which is great because fuck that guy. That dude is a terrible human awful, being. <laughs> awful, awful, man. Andrew Jackson's a Trail of Tears president, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I'll be a, just a straight up murdering president. Yeah, I'm pretty much appalled that he yeah. is still on. Well, 
Um, I mean, I mean the, all the, the founding fathers are very problematic. It's in true, their but ways, but some but are worse than others. Some are worse than others. Um, Alexander Hamilton is still going to remain on the ten dollar bill, but the back yeah. the back will now feature suffragists Lucretia Mott, Sojourner yeah. Truth, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Alice Paul. Uh, as I said, this is the first time in over a century that women will appear on any paper money. That's fantastic. Did you know that like uh, some countries will put uh, scientists on their money? It works for me. Yeah, like I think Canada and maybe Indian money I've seen. There have been like people who discovered things. Yeah, or people who like have come up with cures for yeah. things. In our country, it's either uh, a founding father. And then usually a treasury secretary, I yes. noticed, or a conceptual woman, not an actual. No, no actual ladies. <laughs> Except for Martha Washington. And she was just. She uh, sewed the flag. She was the first I don't know. lady. I don't want to bag on Mar- Martha Wait, Washington's Wait, I think you're thinking of Betsy Ross. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Wow. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, basically, she was married to a dude. That was. Maybe she did something. Maybe. She, I'm sure she did. Tune in for our next episode on Martha <laughs> Washington. <laughs> We figure um, that out. One other thing that I found out is that American law actually prohibits portraits of living people from appearing on bills, but, which is good well, because yeah. giving the current climate, somebody might want to put their face all over Could everything. Get real gross. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, the current leader putting their face on the money is a very banana republic move. Super. Yeah. It's like, uh, of course, I can spend as much as I want of this because my face is on it. Yeah. That's horrible. But, yeah. but I guess, wait, is the Andrew Jackson, Harriet Tubman thing actually going to happen? Supposedly it still is. It was announced in 2016, yeah. but there's no ETA that I found. Yeah. For some reason, I thought that got called off by our racist grandfather president, but I'm not sure. You know, I was a little worried about that because I had trouble da- tracking down the link for this. Yeah. But then I found the link, so I assumed that everything was back on and good. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope so, too. Yeah. Uh, most banknotes, uh, at least in America, are made from cotton paper, oh. which is sometimes mixed with linen or cloth fibers. In modern times, uh, the paper is infused with either vinyl or gelatin instead of water to give it extra strength. Gross. Yeah, it's a modern thing. Uh, in the United States, paper currency lasts an average of three years in circulations before it, it gets too worn or mutilated, yeah. uh, and then the bills are recycled or shredded. Counterfeit money is immediately destroyed unless it's needed for evidence or research. Uh, Banknotes can also become contaminated and then they were decommissioned. They are probably continually contaminated. Yes. I can imagine. Uh, Every time I touch money, I immediately want to wash my hands. Yeah. I immediately should wash my hands, I should say. If a bill is known to come in contact with Uh human or animal body fluids. Uh Uh-huh which I could name them off for you, Please but I'm, don't. Not, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, hazardous powders uh, from de- detonated explosives, dye packs, <laughs> or drugs. I'd say cocaine would be that. Sure. Yep, a lot of cocaine. Yeah. Uh, if a note has been found on a corpse or in stagnant <laughs> water, it is also considered contaminated, uh, which I appreciate. I don't, you. oh, God. You know, of course dead people have money in their pockets. Sure. Right? And that money's got, that money's still got value. That money's out there. Oh, God. That is so gross. Anyway, when they know about it, they remove it from circulation to prevent the spread of disease. Yeah, please do. Uh, and I think that's about all I have on yeah. paper currency. Um, that's a natural transition, I think, into our <laughs> other topic. And that is the movie They Live by John Carpenter. That makes total sense, right? I feel like I need to explain why we're talking about They Live because yeah. it's so random. Can you? Do if people you, know what the movie they, if you listen to this podcast, chances are you know what the movie they live is, right? 
Right. I mean, should we explain a little bit? So in the movie, they live. Uh, a man, the character, the main character of the movie, uh, puts on a pair of sunglasses that he finds and discovers that we're living in a world that's been taken over by aliens. And one of the things he notes is that when he puts on the glasses and he looks at money, uh, instead of saying, in God we trust, it says, this is your God. Which is amazing. <laughs> Perfect. I saw that scene again. I went back and watched it. And mm-hmm. it's there's nothing else on the bill. It's just a big white box. And it just says in the middle, this is your God. It's very appropriate. So anyway, that's that's why we that's why we're getting into They Live. Anyway, we're basically looking for any excuse to talk about They Live because <laughs> John Carpenter is great. Yeah, Roddy Piper right. is great. That's right. Oh, this, the person who stars uh, is Rowdy, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. Professional wrestling, uh, 80s to 90s, man. Let me give you a little bit of background on They Live. Just, yeah. Just a little bit. Okay. They Live opened on November 4th, 1988. It debuted at number one in the North American box office. That's amazing. Uh, it grossed $4.8 million in the opening weekend, but it was actually still con- considered a commercial failure. I guess that just wasn't enough at the box Yeah, does that, that mean that how much did it cost to make? Mm, I don't know how much it cost to All make. Right. It was based on the sh- 1963 short story, 8 O'Clock in the Morning, by Ray Nelson. Yeah. Uh, that story was made into a comic called Nada, uh, and the movie is more closely based on that. I looked up that dude, that author, because mm-hmm. I'd never heard of him. Um, and he also claims to have invented the propeller beanie. Wow, that's a multifaceted dude. <laughs> I don't know... Uh, I, I don't know if it's true. He, even he, he didn't know if it was true. I think he just said it. <laughs> anyway, it grossed uh, $13 million after all. So it cost $4 million to make, and uh, they made $13 million. So a great success. <laughs> you know, Hollywood is fickle. <laughs> a great success. Hollywood is fickle. John Carpenter liked Keith David's performance in The Thing so much that he wrote the role of Frank specifically for him. That's awesome. Frank is kind of like, not the sidekick, but a guy Mm. that Roddy Piper meets up with. And they sort of do a team up. They're all kind of vaguely homeless. Yeah, we'll talk about that, too. Carpenter met Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 3, actually, in 1987. Oh, wow. um, Because... Carpenter was attending as a fan. He wasn't. He was a wrestling fan. He was not a member of uh, the show. Or no, not at all. That's not awesome. at all. Uh, Carpenter knew who Piper was, but Piper didn't actually know who Carpenter was, despite having, despite Carpenter having already directed Big Trouble in Little China, Escape from New York, and Starman. Pretty surprising. At that point, Piper had actually done more movies than Carpenter too. Not good movies, Wait. but at that point, Carpenter had done less than twenty movies, and Piper had done more. That's nuts. I I don't I'm not aware of like what movies Piper did before. I'm not either. They, I, mu- they, they must not have been good. No. <laughs> I could tell you that WrestleMania three that uh, was the famous Pontiac Silverdome yes. WrestleMania, and that was the one where I mean I know that Hulk Hogan body slammed onto the giant at WrestleMania three, but I had to look this one up. I didn't know this off the top of my head. Roddy Roddy Piper had a match against Adrian Adonis, who was a big, big, fat wrestling man. Okay. And it was a hair versus hair match that he won. So the Adrian Antonis had to shave his head. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I have to tell you, this podcast is gradually going to yeah. keep rotating back yeah. to wrestling. 
Uh, I've got a couple topics that I'd like to gear everything towards too. Yeah, but we'll get to those later. You, are yours so obvious? Essen- what would you like essentially, to talk about? if I can uh, get any October first connection to glam rock or Def uh, Leppard, yeah. I'm uh-huh. going to do that. Oh uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm, go- I'm okay with that. I feel good about it. As I said, John Carpenter was a lifelong wrestling fan, and he actually had an article published in Ring Magazine when he was 15. Wow. Uh, He stopped following wrestling in 1989 when kayfabe was officially abandoned by the WWF. Randall, would you like to explain to the audience what kayfabe is? (laughs) Um, Kayfabe is the carny language term for putting on a performance of an athletic event. And pretending like it is a real thing, so, not predetermined. I see. So pretending like you don't actually have a predetermined winner of the yeah. match. Pretending like it's not a performance. Pretending like people are really getting angry and yeah. hurt. And right. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the words itself are be fake in uh, that language. I see. Right? So so the, the carny language is kind of like pig Latin. Yeah, it's a little pig Latin-y. Also, the idea is that at this point, the audience is a participant and they are willingly suspending their disbelief. Earlier in wrestling, the audience wasn't quite so tuned in. No, and apparently that was the thing with <laughs> John, John Carpenter. John Carpenter, he was, once kayfabe yeah. went away officially, uh, he was not into, the magic was gone for him. Yeah, but I mean, like, they were doing crazy things in the 80s to defend kayfabe, like legit beating people up that they, that challenged them on it, you know? So, like, it's much better that they... Oh, I dropped the idea. I completely agree. Who was that? There was like some TV news guys who like got is wrestling fake and he got beaten up. It's a show and it's supposed to make it's supposed to be entertaining and fun. I don't think it's a necessary. I don't think I can enjoy it. I don't enjoy it less by knowing. Right? I'm I'm pretty sure generationally. I mean, you could never go back to kayfabe. It's sort no. of like it's too self aware. Yeah, many people uh, believe that other events like uh, boxing or MMA are probably kayfabe as well. That might be true. Yeah. We'll never know, right? Until scandals come out or whatever. The Roddy Roddy Piper starring in in that movie is, he's great. I love him so much. Yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> and actually, one of the things that I found out about him from this was that he actually was homeless. Oh, really? Ver- at various points in his life. Yeah. He, I believe, ran away from home when he was 13. And has literally been running and working ever since. Well, I'm sorry, he's deceased now, which is yeah, very sad. But, um, I forgot about that. He passed away. Sad. A couple of years ago. Yeah. Professional wrestlers have that hard life, and uh, they take a lot of steroids and whatnot. And they, I feel like there's a lot of heart disease. Yeah, he, of it. he died of cardiac arrest. Yeah. Also, uh, through putting their bodies through massive amounts of trauma and having to take painkillers and stuff like that. I am not a giant wrestling fan, but Roddy Piper is um, one of the characters and actors yeah. that I really like. We have a Rowdy Roddy Piper figure in our house that you bought me. I love that. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you so much. <laughs> she even made a uh, a little kilt, like sewed her own He kilt. was missing his kilt. He didn't have a kilt, yeah. He was uh, born in Scotland. Right, and I guess he learned to play bagpipes yeah. at age five. Yeah, he actually would come to the ring playing bagpipes. I just looked up his character's name in in this movie. It was Nada. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, is that a name? It's like a last name. Oh, and like, also it means nothing. Oh, let's go back to his wrestling career. He was always a bad guy, or at least mostly a bad guy. Sometimes he's a goodish bad guy, but he was always kind of a rule breaker. 
And in the movies that we watch with him in, he was always a hero and like the friendliest, nicest person possible. (laughs) (laughs) So I believe that the persona of him in movies was more in line with him as a real person. I'm going to believe he's a nice guy. He seems like a super nice guy. Yeah, he seemed like a super nice guy. We went back and we watched uh, another movie uh, the other day with Dirk Benedict starring Roddy Roddy Piper. And that one is fully engrossed in uh, the world of kayfabe. It's like Rowdy gets a new manager, or Rick in this case. And they, they like need a legit manager to get them new wrestling gigs. And like if they don't toe the line, they're not going to be able to get into the good arenas and stuff like that. It, the other thing about that movie that I loved, I really loved, was it has a rock and wrestling connection, which is always my childhood memory and favorite, you know? Like Dirk Benedict is also a is also a rock and roll manager of the band Kick, who uh, plays with Piper. And uh, I'm just gonna talk about wrestling. From now you, on. Do you have anything else to say about They Live? No. Oh yeah, I do. I mean, I'll say that he uh, wins in the end. Of course, the alien ship gets blown up, and the broadcast towers that are confusing everyone's mind get destroyed. He does sacrifice his life to win, so he dies in the end oh, of the movie. Oh, spoiler. Yeah. If you're going to go back and watch a movie from the 80s, you're going to get a spoiler. That's just the way it is. There was a fight scene in They Live. Epic fight scene. Yeah. Evidently, he uh, choreographed that fight scene to make it look more realistic. Like, they had done a choreography of the fight, and he was like, this is not real looking. So we're gonna. I'm going to re-choreograph the whole fight. And then we're going to do it again. And you watch that movie and it looks like two legit guys just fighting to live. Yeah. And the weird part is it's they're having a brawl over him, forcing him to wear a pair of glasses, (laughs) which seems like the most pointless fight you could ever have. Like, just just put on the glasses and acknowledge the fact that you put them on, you know. I uh, saw somewhere that Keith David also used to be a boxer. I don't know oh, really? if that's really true or not. But well, I mean, it's not surprising. He comes across as a pretty legit fighting dude. That's one of the all-time great fights. Um, if you know Keith David and you could have him give us a call and confirm that, that would be great if you're a... Yeah. Uh, happy birthday, who cares at gmail.com. Yes, please. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. <laughs> And I'm all out of oh, Apparently that was all Piper. Oh, get, improvised? Yeah. Piper says he, it said on the commentary that he made it up, but Carpenter actually says that Piper pulled it out of a book of one-liners he has <laughs> <laughs> that he kept handy for whenever he needed to do an interview hyping an upcoming wrestling match. That's awesome. And I guess that one came from one with uh, Playboy Buddy Rose. Oh, really? Yeah. Does that mean it was a book printed by someone else or a no, book of his own notes? like his own journal of it. That's amazing. Yeah, oh. that's one of the things. Like, It does make sense that he would be an excellent actor because really that's what professional wrestling is most of the time. It's just acting and performing. It's yeah. not, I mean, it's probably a quarter the athletic performance, even though he's a super muscular and well-fit dude in this movie. It's mostly just the acting and improvisation. I think it's this special combination like The Rock has of Mm -hmm. charisma, likability, athleticism, and actual ability to say a line in a believable way. You know, uh, like one quarter acting. Yeah. And the rest of it is just... Believing it, right? Sure. Uh, And also being very handsome, 
or extremely ugly. One or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's about all I have to say about They Live. I mean, I love that movie. I don't know if it was my favorite John Carpenter movie. I think my favorite John Carpenter movie is Big Trouble in Little China. I think that They Live is probably my favorite John Carpenter movie, despite the fact that it doesn't have the traditional John Carpenter soundtrack, which I love his crazy synthy stuff. And yeah. the, this one's more of a weird blues thing. Yeah. Did you look up who did the soundtrack? He did it, but with other people. Oh, of course he did it. Yeah. But he, he did it in a different way. Yeah. You know, he has a band. I heard that. Yeah. What was it? It was like Coupe de Ville was the name of his band. And also there was a music video. I'm going to keep going back to Big Trouble in China. The theme song for that one was done by that band, and there was a music video for it. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible. I thought maybe... I like to Escape from New York a lot, thing? too. No, I'm not a huge... Uh, Fan of the thing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Escape from New York. Those are Kurt Russell. Kurt yeah. Russell movies. Do you remember... Did you ever see the uh, John Carpenter TV movie, Elvis? With Kurt Russell? I did not. Kurt Russell... Was truly his muse. ...wants to be Elvis. <laughs> like, it's not a, it's not acting. It's like he lived it. The one other thing about They Live that we need to mention, of course, is uh, They Live and Obey oh, yeah. and Andre the Giant are basically the premise for Shepard Fairey's art career. That's right. W- can you explain what the Obey is? Uh, Obey, in the movie They Live... When you put on the glasses and you can see what billboards and advertisements are actually saying, one of the things that they prominently say is obey. Yeah. Do you know if he was actually inspired by that movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He straight up ripped it off. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. (laughs) One more thing I have to add about uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper is that he was actually never a champion, a world, the world heavyweight champion in the WWE or WWF at the time. He was only the Intercontinental Champion one time, and he was the Tag Team Champion one time with Ric Flair. That's not really surprising. They didn't really put the heavyweight belt on anyone else in that time frame except Hulk Hogan, and everyone else's job was to lose to Hulk Hogan. Wrestling, professional wrestling, is not a meritocracy. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2005, which is real sweet after all. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I'll include, he won a Slammy, which is a kayfabe award show (laughs) in the WWF. He won a Slammy for Best Personality in Land of a Thousand Dances in 1986. I think that pretty well concludes our (laughs) topic of paper money and... uh, they live as related to In God We Trust on the Silver Certificate, which happened in 1957. Yes. On October 1st, our favorite special shared day. What do you think about that motto, In God We Trust? I'm not States? into it. As Does much it... as I like other people having whatever faith makes them happy, Yeah, I am very much also for the separation of church and state. Yeah, I don't feel like I need to be reminded of... Um, of uh, trusting a higher power every time I look at a bill or a coin. It's, it seems unnecessary. Do you, do you have any ideas for a, a better motto for our nation? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, you know, I wrote down a few of them We uh, when we were talking about this, and all of them seemed really negative now that I'm looking <laughs> at it. 
<laughs> like I, I've, I guess it's a, a reflection of uh, how I feel about the United States at the moment, which is I'm kind of down on it. It's a rough time. The one I wrote that I, re- I really liked uh, was the Netflix sound. I thought that could be the new motto <laughs> for the United Ba-bum. States. Yeah, that, that bong noise. Uh, I also, for some reason, wrote down, what size fries do you want with that? Wow. I thought that would be good. Uh, You're getting really abstract. Yeah. And, I, and then I wrote the, a classic one that would be uh, ask grass or gas. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be good, too. That's a good one. Yeah. How about you? Did you think of any? <sighs> like you, mine all went to things like we yeah. eat our young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was also the they live. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything good except just yeah. don't be a dick. Yeah. I, I also wrote too dumb to know how, just how dumb we are. Ugh. I think that was another. If we had to pick one, which one you'd pick of all the ones we just said? Of all the ones we just said? Yeah. Netflix sound. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix sound. It's inspiring. You know something's going to happen next. I think that's it. I think that's how we how we end it with a Netflix bong. So bong. anyway, thanks for listening and... uh Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday again. Who cares? Who cares, Randall? Who cares? Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on social media at... HBWC podcast. Happy birthday. Who cares? At gmail.com. <laughs>